Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast. That's right. I am the Bible Belt Atheist, and I live in Lynchburg, Virginia, the hometown of the evil empire. Okay, so uh, if this is your first time listening, I hope you enjoy it. If you're coming back for more, thank you again. Um, I like to think I like to pat myself on the back and believe that I have a pretty good knack for the obvious, right? My girlfriend might disagree, but hear me out. Go with me on this. So I like to think that whenever I get information, um, whether it's through the media or through someone I meet, anytime I get information, I feel pretty confident that I can decipher through all the bullshit and figure out what's really going on. Um, talk to someone, I, I'm usually pretty quick judge a character and I'm pretty quick to, uh, figure out what their angle is, what they're trying to accomplish, um, whether it's, uh, against me or for me. Um, I'm usually pretty confident and I can figure these things out because I'm a big believer in proof and evidence. Um, if you want me to believe something is true, you have to prove it to me. Now, I don't think that it's any coincidence um, that the people who stormed the Capitol and believed that the election was rigged and the election was stolen um, believe all of these things with no proof and no evidence. And these are the same people that claim to believe in God, and they also believe that without any proof or evidence. Now, as far as the election goes, I know that's past history, but I'm trying to make a point here. Um, The people that believe that it was rigged, stolen, whatever, have no proof, none. There have been dozens of lawsuits filed in dozens of states, and no proof has been provided, none. Um, And I don't think it's a coincidence. I think it's quite the standard operating procedure for these people because they've grown up their whole lives believing that there is a God and there's no proof. There's none. Nobody's got a selfie with God. Nobody has, you know, nobody's, you know, Twitter feed or or whatever has been liked or followed by God. It's, um, there's just no proof. They've had thousands of years to come up with something. Um, so you ask some religious people for proof and they start quoting the Bible, which is, uh, to me is ironic because if I don't believe in God, then I don't believe in the Bible. So you're reading from a book that has no proof of reality. But that's uh, what I'm surrounded by. I live in Lynchburg, Virginia, and I'm surrounded by people that will believe anything that are completely gullible. Um, they believe anything that you can convince them of without any proof or evidence of it being real. Um, And I know what it goes back to. It goes back to how people were raised. You know, you ask most people, well, why do you go to church? Why do you go to the church that you go to? And they say, well, my parents took me to church and this is the church we went to. And we always believed that this was the right, um, representation of scripture and then their grandparents took them to church and and so on and so forth. So it's generational. It's not, um, it's not that the story's gotten any better. It's not that there's been any more proof or evidence provided. It's just generational beliefs because 
That's what you were taught to believe. So I get that. I understand it. Um, and I think that's the same reason that most churches and most religions um, don't really push science because science is about proving something with evidence and facts and proof because, you know, science proves to us why things are the way they are, why certain things do the things they do and how they do it. And there's really no room for that in religion. You just, this is the story and you have to believe it. And if you don't, you go to hell. There, there's no burden of proof there. It's just you have to believe it because we're telling you to. And that's just how things are. And that's the way some people are raised. I get it. I get it. I've lived my whole life in the Bible Belt. I've heard these stories a million times. But where it gets dangerous and where it gets a little tough for me to take, um, you know, our capital was attacked by people who believed lies, who believed things that could not be proven to be true. And I've even heard a couple people when asked, why did you storm the Capitol? And they said they were standing up for the truth. Well, if you believe anything without any proof of, of reality, if with any proof of evidence, if you'll believe anything, then you don't have a concept of what the truth really is because you will believe anything, whether it can be proven or not. So saying that you're storming a building because you believe that it was a fake election or it was rigged or it was stolen and then turn around and claim you're doing it to stand up for the truth is pretty asinine. If you ask me, um, I don't think these people have a concept of what the truth really is. The truth is something that can be proven. The truth is something that can provide evidence. So I'm surrounded by this type of thought processes and, and, and these people who believe these things, and I guess they'll believe them forever. It's dangerous. You know, five people died at the Capitol. Five people died because a group of people without any proof or evidence were standing up for the truth. They thought that Trump was sent by God. That alone right there, if you tell me that Trump was sitting here by God to be our president, that alone by itself is all the reason that I need to be an atheist. And I just base that on his character, his character before he was president, not the shit he did while he was president, all the things he's done his entire life. So that to me shows me and proves to me that religion is dangerous. The belief in religion is dangerous. Does anyone remember why the 9-11 attacks happened on the World Trade Center? Does anybody remember that? is because of a group of people's religious beliefs. They believed that they were doing this to honor Allah, their God. I think maybe the 90 virgins waiting for them was probably a good motivation too, because I've seen pictures of these dudes and I think they probably were really banking on those 90 virgins being there. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, that killed thousands of people. Killed thousands of people because of a belief in a God. And nobody else seems to get that. The Bible Belt has only gotten stronger. The beliefs around here have only become more faith-based and religious. It boggles my mind. I can turn on TV and I can have a conversation with somebody or I can go online and I can pretty much figure out in my own brain what is reality and what isn't. It's, uh, it's not that difficult. It only requires logic and common sense. So anyone who believes in any God or any Bible, to me, suffers from a lack of logic and common sense and rationality. It's just how I see it. Now, you can go back through the history of time, and you can see how dangerous religion is. You can see... What happened in Waco 25, 26 years ago with David Koresh and the Branch Davidians and what happened to them because they thought David Koresh was the Messiah. Now, I've never understood how you could believe that someone who wears corrective eyewear could be the Messiah. I would like to think that my Messiah would have 20-20 vision. But who am I? Or you can go back to uh, the people that decided they were going to jump on a spaceship behind the Hellbob Comet. But before that, they decided to castrate themselves and wear Nikes and commit suicide. These things are all caused by religion. And don't even get me started on Mother Teresa. Don't even get me started on the woman who refused to allow the orphans in her orphanages to get vaccinated because she believed that God would protect them from disease. Yeah, don't get me started on that. And then there was the Pope a few years ago that during the height of the AIDS epidemic, when the largest number of AIDS cases in the world were in Africa and the Pope goes to Africa and speaks to all the Catholics and says it's a sin to wear a condom. You're going in and telling people that are dying by the thousands of a sexually transmitted disease that it's a sin to wear a condom. So, you know, religion, if we go back in time, really, I don't think anything has killed more people on planet Earth than religion itself and the belief in religion and people acting upon how they interpret the Bible or the Quran or whatever holy book they choose to believe. This has been going on since, uh, well, the beginning of religions. And it's frustrating for me as a person who I'm going to go back again and say, I think I have a pretty good knack for the obvious. Now, sometimes I can't tell when my girlfriend's really mad at me or not, but that's on a whole nother level. I think that's just, I'm a man and I was born with a dumb stick, so sorry. But when it comes to religion, there's thousands of stories. Wars have been started over religion. Do you know that the Nazi party in, in Germany started out as a religious movement? 
Hitler hated the Jews because they didn't believe in the same beliefs that he did and his followers did. How many millions of people died in concentration camps? How many millions of people died because of their religious background and upbringing? It's, it's scary. I live in a world that's scary and I'm not scared of nuclear war and I'm not scared of famine and I'm not scared of diseases. But the one thing I'm scared of are the Christians around me. Oh, yeah. And the Muslims and the whatever else is. And I'm just going to state this because this is early on in the podcast. This is just the third episode. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, I think all religions are the same. There's no difference in any of them to me. There's no difference between the Catholics and the Muslims, um, the Baptists and the Jews. There's no difference to me whatsoever in any of them. They're all the same to me. The Christian Scientologists are exactly the same as the Southern Baptist. There's no difference to me. They all live by the basic principle of their life is based on a leap of faith. Their life and all the decisions that they make in their life are based on their beliefs that they believe without any proof or evidence. So they're all the same to me. You can... You can argue with me on that all you want, but I just don't see any differences. I also don't understand how over time, evolution, technology, um, people should be getting smarter, but it seems like more people are getting way more radical with their religious beliefs. I really thought when the whole thing happened in Waco with the Branch Davidians, I thought, well, people will see now that that shit's crazy. That's crazy behavior. But no, the religious people turned it around on the government's out to get them. They're being persecuted by the government. Yeah. So then 9-11 happens and the World Trade Centers get, get attacked. And what did the religious folk in our country do? They blamed it on another crazy religion. But they never thought that there was a chance that their crazy religion could be just as crazy as the crazy religion that attacked the World Trade Center. Absolutely not. These Southern Baptists that I live around, they think Muslims are fucking batshit crazy. But they would never think that way of themselves. It comes down to... Uh, um, the belief that, hey, I think my imaginary savior is better than your imaginary savior. And if you don't believe in my imaginary savior, then you're fucking crazy. That's dangerous. I think the next world war will be fought between religions. It won't be fought between countries. It'll be fought between religions. You know, and the Southern Baptists around here have a lot of guns, a lot of guns. So the more time goes by and the more things I see, I just think that the world is becoming a more dangerous place every day simply 
because of religion. Now, we could talk about the anti-vaxxers that think that God is protecting their children so they don't need to get their children vaccinated. That's dangerous, too. It's not a it's not violence. It's you're saying that I'll take a chance on my child not dying. Because I believe in something that has no proof or evidence to exist. Now, you know, if you're a minority in this country and you've seen some of the things that the government has done, um, the Tuskegee Airmen syphilis experiments and various stories like that, the government hasn't exactly been very stand up either. And I would be, you know, if I was a black man, I'd probably be pretty skeptical for that reason alone. Um, you know, we're talking about a government that there was a time when they were doing experimental lobotomies on children, you know, back before the days of Ritalin. So, yeah, I mean, the government's not perfect. I'm not going to sit here and stand up for them either. But living your life and putting your life, the life of your child in danger because of your religious beliefs, I think is careless at best and moronic and indecent at worst. I've made a comment to several people and they look at me in shock and horror that I believe that indoctrinating your children in religion is a form of child abuse. It's brainwashing. You're not allowing your child to make their own decision. You're forcing them to do the things that your parents forced you to do. It's generational child abuse is all it is. Um, but yeah, the anti-vaxxers that believe this stuff based on their religious beliefs are just scary as shit. If you won't protect your own children, you're damn sure not going to protect me. You know, so that's a that's a pretty scary thought in my world. Um, you know, the religious people are always believe they're being persecuted, even though they're the majority of the country, they're the majority of everything. I can't do anything in Lynchburg, Virginia, without there being the the overtones of religion around. You know, this city is 50 years behind uh, every other city of its size. Um, it's just completely asinine that we can't evolve as people. And we can't learn with all this fucking technology, all the access that we have to science and study that people still believe this bullshit, but they've had to fight harder over the last few years to fight against science because science is everywhere and there's so much access to it. Now you can get on your computer now. And if you really want to see both sides of the story, you can see, you can see proof of things that exist and don't exist. It's all out there for the taking. And then you're going to have the religious parents that aren't going to allow their children to look at these things. It's really kind of, it's really kind of bizarre to me that we have grown so much as a species where, you know, we should be more intelligent than we've ever been. 
But now with all the conspiracy theorist bullshit, we have really dumbed ourselves down. We've used the advancement of technology to make us dumber than we've ever been. And religion loves that. Religion loves conspiracy theories because religion is a conspiracy theory. Right? So uh, I don't know how to make it better. I don't know how to make people smarter. Only thing I can do is look out for myself, protect myself from stupid ideas and stupid thoughts. And that's really all I can do. So now I'm going to tell you a couple of little stories, um, things that have happened in my life that make me believe that religion is dangerous and kind of sad. Uh, obviously, it's restrictive. That's the nature of the conspiracy theory. Um, I remember when I was a little kid, I grew up in this little small town in Georgia, and the town that I grew up in, uh, we didn't have any Latinos. We didn't have any Asians. We had uh, black people and white people. And that was it. And we all got along really well. Um, I honestly can say I grew up in the deep south in a town with one stoplight. And I never heard the N-word. Not once growing up did I hear the N-word. I did not hear the N-word spoken until I moved to Virginia when I was 18. Now you can hear it every day. You can go to the grocery store and hear somebody call somebody that, and it happens everywhere. But I, as a child growing up in a small town in southern Georgia, never heard the N-word said, ever. So went to this little school, uh, my little elementary school, and uh, there were two sisters at my elementary school that were never allowed to participate in P.E., uh, they weren't allowed to dress out. Uh, they weren't allowed to play any of the PE games. Um, they weren't allowed to actually go into the locker room. So they would come in to the gym where we started PE every day, and they would sit on the bleachers and they would read. And they weren't allowed to wear shorts. They weren't allowed to play sports. They weren't allowed to do anything like that. So they just sat there and read the entire time for years. This went on for years. And... I found out that it was because of their family's religious beliefs. Their mother and father practiced a certain religion where girls weren't supposed to do any of those things. And when I was a kid, I thought, oh, that seems weird. It just seemed weird to me. It didn't seem um, like a life-changing experience. It just seemed weird. But looking back now, it's sad to me. It's really sad that these children were not allowed to experience normal child behavior. And I know normal is interpretive and I probably shouldn't ever use that word, but I just don't think that it's fair to keep a child to from trying new things and experiencing new things based on your hangups that your parents gave you. So that was, that was pretty, um, that was pretty sad. And I still think about those girls now and I wonder where they ended up in life and how their lives ended up and did they lose their minds and get strung out on drugs or did they just dive deeper into the church and now maybe they raise their children the same way? I don't know. I don't have any way of being in touch with them, but I do think about it. And um, later on in life, um, I got married. I was married 
for many years. And I have a son. My son is now 25. And um, we had a really nice house in a town about 20 minutes from where I live now. And I have to say that I bought the coolest house or one of the coolest houses that I've ever been in or been to. It had a circular, concrete circular driveway that went uphill and around a couple trees. And it was at the end of a dead end street with a little cul-de-sac at the bottom. And my son, when we moved there, was 10. And he loved it. And he made a lot of friends pretty quick in the town. And he basically became a skater. He rode his skateboard every day. His friends, all the kids in the neighborhood wanted to skateboard at our house because of the driveway. And they could go down the driveway and pick up steam and shoot off into the cul-de-sac. And it was fun. My son broke his arm twice doing that. Yeah, he's a kid. He's a boy. So um, we also had a room in the house that was converted. It was originally a uh, one-car garage that the previous homeowner had uh, made brick walls uh, on the inside of it and bricked it in and put a couple windows. And anyway, we turned it into a game room, a playroom for my son. And it had a big TV with two or three different video game systems. And it had... um, it had a ping pong table and a foosball table and a dartboard in the whole room. The only furniture in the room, it was there were bean bags everywhere. And these kids would plop down on the bean bags and play video games. And it came off of the kitchen so they could just go in the kitchen, grab a snack, grab a little drink. And it also had a storm door and a front door that came off of it that went right out onto that driveway, right on that concrete driveway. So, it instantly, when we first moved there, it instantly became the hangout for the neighborhood for all the kids. I mean, there would be seven, eight, nine, ten kids at my house at any given time. I would come home from from work and there would be kids skating everywhere or there'd be five or six skateboards sitting outside and there'd be kids in my house eating my food, drinking soda pops. And I got to be honest with you, I loved it. I thought it was great. And so after we had been there for a couple of years, um, we planned this huge birthday party for my son. He's going to be 12 and, um, we're going to go all out. It's going to be an all day affair. Come and go as you please all day. Uh, any kids that want to sleep over and sleep on a beanbag, welcome to spend the night. It was going to be a great time. And it was a great time. It was, you know, my son still talks about his 12th birthday party. It was fun. We brought in a bunch of pizzas and, had games and the whole front yard and the driveway was decked out with stuff. And it was just really neat. And um, so my son had made this friend in school. It didn't live in our neighborhood. He lived in, in the same town, but not in our neighborhood. And my son had become good friends with him. And I heard about him quite a bit. I'd heard his name. I never met him. Uh, he never came to the house. And so my son invited him to his birthday party. And I asked, you know, how many of the kids that you invited are coming? I think he invited 20 kids. He said, all but one. And I asked him which one. And he, I said, why is he not coming? Has he got other plans? Is he going out of town? He says, no, his parents are Jehovah's Witnesses. And that religion doesn't celebrate birthdays. So he's not allowed to come to my birthday party. Well, I instantly flashed back to the two girls 
that I grew up with that really weren't allowed to do anything because of their religious beliefs. And it hit me. I was like, man, that really sucks. I really want this kid, not for any anti-religious reasons. I really wanted this kid to come to the birthday party. I wanted him to be a part of it. He, he was a good friend of my son. My son really liked him. I wanted him there. So I told my son, I said, well, when you talk to him tomorrow at school, ask him, say, is there anything we can do to make this work? I mean, he doesn't have to come over and celebrate your birthday. He doesn't have to bring you a gift. Doesn't he have to look at it as a birthday party? Just look at it as just him hanging out with some friends my own age. So he said he would talk to him. And I got message back that his parents wanted to come over to the house and meet me and my ex-wife, my wife at the time, and talk to us about it. And I said, great, absolutely great. Because, you know, I understand as a parent, I never let my kid go somewhere at that age without going there with them, at least the first time, meeting the parents, seeing the home, making sure everything looked safe. Um, so I, I get it. You know, they had never been to our house and I, I totally get it. I mean, we had kids in the neighborhood that came to the house for years and I never ever met their parents. They just let them run around. That's what they did. Excuse me. I got to take a sip of coffee. Ah, coffee. I don't care what religion you, you believe in coffee's good. So anyway, so I told my son, please tell him to come over. They reached out, they made a call and we had set it up for a Saturday afternoon and come on over. So they come in, they sit in my living room and the only question I had was, can your son please come to my son's birthday party? It would mean a lot to both of them. I don't see any reason why we can't do this. If you don't celebrate birthdays in your household, I get it. He doesn't have to eat cake. He doesn't have to bring a gift. We don't care about a gift. Just come over and hang out. You're more than welcome to come with him. You can stay here the whole time. We don't care. So they start talking about their church being Jehovah's Witnesses and, and what they do in the community. And they basically said, well, here's what we'll do. If you will come to our church services at their kingdom hall for two Saturdays in a row, because I think they celebrate on Saturdays. I think that's how it went down. They worship on Saturdays, celebrate. That was a weird word. Anyway, they worship on Saturdays at their kingdom hall for Jehovah's Witness. And they said, if you'll come two Saturdays in a row, then we will let him come. And I said, no. I said, no, I said, um, I really want your son to come. I said, but I'm not willing to do that. And it's not that I'm not open-minded. I was pretty familiar with Jehovah's Witnesses at that point. I mean, I had a million of them knock on my fucking door, you know. And they were shocked. I mean, their faces, their eyes got real big. And I told them I wasn't interested. And they started their sales pitch. They started their whole, do you know what happens to you when you die? That's what they said to me. They said, do you know what happens to you when you die? And I said, no, I don't. And neither do you. Do not sit in my house and tell me that you think and believe that you know what is going to happen to me when I die. Because you don't. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. 
that's part of the mythology of heaven and hell and whatever religion you believe. The truth is nobody knows for sure what happens when you die. Now, scientists will tell you that you just cease to exist. And that's probably what I believe the most. Um, but the audacity of these people to tell me that they know what's going to happen to me when I die pretty much just pissed me off. And they wouldn't stop. They just sat in my home telling me that I'm wrong and that I'm going to go to hell if I don't change my ways. So I politely asked them to leave and they kept talking. So eventually I had to tell them to get the fuck out of my house. They left upset. Of course, their son did not come to my son's birthday party. Actually, their son never spoke to my son again. He wasn't allowed to. That's religion, folks. That's religion. I think the most important thing to say as a human being when confronted with an issue that you don't know about, the most important thing to say is, I don't know. Three very important words. Well, one letter, two words. I don't know. Very important. These people have convinced their child that they know beyond a shadow of a doubt what's going to happen to them when they die. They have no proof. They have no evidence. But they know. It goes back to that whole, you know, you ask your parent, you know, well, why can't I do that? Because I said so. That aggravates the piss out of me when I hear somebody say that. Because I said so. You're not going to give your child a reason. You're not going to give your child an opportunity to learn from this conversation. You're just going to end it because, because I said so. That makes about as much sense as telling your kid to quit crying or I'll give you something to cry about. Because I said so. That's the whole basis of religion. That's the whole basis of why people grow up believing what they believe. Because at some point they had to ask, they had to say, hey, why should I believe in God? Because I said so. Boom. End of the conversation. No proof, no evidence, just because I fucking said so. Now, I'm not a perfect parent. I was far from being a perfect parent. Knock on wood, my sons turned out to be pretty great in spite of me. But one thing I never told my son when he asked a question was because I said so. Now, I told him many times he would ask a question. I would say, I don't know. I was perfectly comfortable saying, I don't know. Let's figure it out. Let's find out together. You ask me, you know, why something is the way it is in nature. I don't know. Let's find out. Let's take this opportunity, this question to learn something. You tell a child that they should believe in a God because I said so or because our church says so, or because 
any other entity without any kind of evidence says so. I think it's wrong. And when you don't allow children to have, you know, normal, there's that word again, normal childhood experiences, or when you don't get your child vaccinated, or when you fly a plane into a building, religion becomes dangerous and sad. Again, I live right smack in the middle of Lynchburg, Virginia. And I'm surrounded by people that grew up hearing the words because I said so. And it fucking sucks because you can't have a conversation with these people. You question them about anything and it doesn't even have to do with religion. You question them about anything. If they don't know the answer, they will not say, I don't know. They will just look at you confused like a doe in the headlights. They just give you this look like you have scared them or you've confused them or whatever. Because around here, they didn't grow up hearing the words, I don't know. If they had any questions about religion, any questions about the Bible, any questions about the God they were being told to believe, they were answered by saying, because the good book says so, because our church says so. None of those answers involved any source of evidence or proof. It's just because I said so. If you don't stop crying, I'm going to give you something to cry about. Dumb, just fucking dumb. I've heard people say that over the years to their kids. It used to be a big thing. I haven't heard it lately. I guess it was a big thing when I was a kid, parents saying that. So like, how fucking dumb does that sound? I'm five years old and that sounded dumb to me then. My mother never said it to me, thankfully. But all of these things that we say to children, just as a matter of fact, you know, why are we going to church every Sunday? We're going to worship God. Okay. And they take it and they say, okay, well, that's why we go to church on Sunday. So anyway, it's just, it, it saddens me. It saddens me to see people restrict the natural growth of a child, the natural growth of life. They restrict it by their religious beliefs. They choke it to death. You know, when someone tells me they know what's going to happen to me when they when I die, or they know what's going to happen when they die, I instantly check out of the conversation. Because I know there's not going to be any evidence coming. There's not going to be any proof. These guys that flew planes into buildings because they thought, that they were going to end up in heaven for eternity with 90 virgins. How much proof did they require to believe that shit? How many times did their parents say to them, you must, you must worship Allah because I said so. Because the Quran says so. You must die in worship 
of Allah because the Quran says so. Now, I've never had anybody promise me 90 virgins for any reason, but I have a feeling I would question it. I have a feeling I would say, hey, uh, can I at least see some pictures? Can I see a document of some kind with a notary stamp on it or something? Can you provide me something? Because we're talking about me dying here, right? You only get one shot at this. I hope it ends the way I'm being told it's going to end. Because, you know, Naughty Virgin sounds okay. I mean, at least for a little while. What happens when you nailed all of them and it's no longer 90 virgins? Do you get restocked with virgins or you just have to deal with the old hags you've already been with? These are questions that I'm going to need some pretty firm answers to before I decide to fly my plane into a building. I know, I know. I'm making fun of Allah and the Quran, but it's just so easy. It's such a fucking easy target. It's almost as easy as the, the Scientology people or the Mormons, the Mormons in their fucking magic underwear that they wear. I'm going to do an entire episode about Mitt Romney's magic underwear at some point. It's going to be a hoot, I promise you. Thank you for listening. I am the Bible Belt Atheist. I hope you enjoyed it. If this is your first time, thank you. If you liked it, please tell a friend. Please subscribe. Uh, some stars on your podcast platform of choice, a review, or reach out. Please send me an email at the Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. No capital letters, no punctuation. The Bible Belt Atheist Podcast at gmail.com. I hope you got something out of it. I hope you tell a friend. I hope you subscribe. And I hope to be talking to you again soon. Have a great day.